When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. We're back with another episode of the Lakers Fast Break podcast. It's Gerald Glassford. Come right back at you here from Lakers Fast Break. Pop Culture Cosmos, where we cover the latest news and trends in pop culture each and every week, twice a week, wherever you get your podcasts. We cover a lot of great things on the latest episode of the PCC. Please go ahead and check it out as we talk Ahsoka, Xbox, and so much more. So go ahead and check it out today. Plus also as well, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, we've got the lowdown for you for week three in the NFL. So go ahead and check it out today, wherever you get your podcasts. Our good friend, of course, Joe Sorrow. He's working behind the scenes, probably heading home right now on the freeway. So hopefully he'll join us here. But if not, please go ahead and support him as Ox1947 at LakersBall.com or, of course, Simblades, Simblades with a Y.com. Our good friends, Jamie Sweet and Laker Tom. We're going to do another Lakerholic Sunday, excuse me, Lakerholic Saturday. We're going to go ahead and make sure that we got that for you for Lakers weekend. So go ahead and check out me, Sean, and Laker Tom tomorrow. Jamie Sweet is going to be off this week. So go ahead and check out their site, Lakerholics.com. Empire Jeff TV and John McCallion support their YouTube channels. And please, if you can, like, share, and subscribe. There's a little Joe Sorrow on the right-hand corner of your screen. Click on Joe to go ahead and get the latest notifications on when we go live with the latest Lakers Fast Break podcast. Well, I've got another great NBA team observation today, and I was looking forward to this one for a while because I've got a lot of questions, and I'm looking forward to it. Indeed, we're talking the New Orleans Pelicans today, and I'm really happy to go ahead and invite our guest here. You have got to check out the great work that he does on Fansided for the Pelican Brief. That's right. A great place to go for everything New Orleans Pelicans. It's a good man indeed. you got to go ahead and check him out there. And also as well on Twitter, of course, I'm going to go ahead and make sure and give you that Twitter handle right now. It is, of course, at Doing It Dodson. It is Chris Dodson. You can call him Dodson. And Dodson, great to have you here talking to New Orleans Pelicans and maybe a little bit of Lakers later on in the show. Hey, Gerald, thanks for having me on. Yeah, I'm sure we can talk Pelicans and Lakers. They've done a lot of business together the last couple of years. They seem to be kind of intertwined as far as their their destinies going forward. Absolutely. And I, I love the fact that you're in uh, right now. What, and would I be remiss to say the Bayou country right now, or would I be a little bit off on that? 
No, um, a little bit more in North Louisiana. It's not what people call Bayou Country, but right behind these woods is Toledo Bend Lake and the water and some of those little outlets and tributaries. I'm sitting outside right now because I've got some nieces and nephews, and uh, they're being a little rowdy inside. So we brought it out here. It's not. It's their regular season. We're still doing preseason for uh, <laughs> these intents and purposes. Well, it looks fantastic. I'm out here in Vegas, so that's right, 90 degrees outside still. So it's still hot, hot, hot here. But you know what? It looks beautiful where you're at. And tell you what, things are looking a little bit better for your team as it heads into this season. You've got a lot to talk about, I'm sure. When it comes to, of course, everything going on with the New Orleans Pelicans, obviously a couple injuries have started off uh, even before training camp with Jose Alvarado and Trey Murphy, who everybody loves. Trey Murphy the third, just absolutely the guy's got a, a tremendous future. Jose Grand Theft Alvarado, just obviously a key player for you guys off the bench. Before we get into Zion and the whole other uh, stuff that's going on with the roster BI and all that, want to hear your thoughts on those injuries and and what kind of setback that might be for the team early on. Right. Obviously, they're unfortunate injuries. It kind of plays into the narrative of this team just can't shake the injury bug. I am a little bit more concerned about Jose's injury, one, just because he would need to be in there and get that guard depth. The uh, the competition for that backup guard spot is going to be just intense this offseason. But also in the way they got hurt. Jose was, according to reports, he got hurt playing one-on-one against the fan in China. Trey got hurt getting ready for the season, you know, in a little bit more of a intense training regimen. He was here in the building. He was actually doing basketball against other professional basketball players. And it's very unfortunate. You hate to see it for both players. Trey played with Team USA in the select team. Jose did not play for Puerto Rico in the FIBA tournament to avoid injuries. And yet they hear two weeks before training camp, they both come up with a knock that's going to cost them weeks instead of days. I'll tell you what, though, great to have you here. Again, Chris Dodson is with me. Please go ahead and make sure you check out the great work that he's doing today at Fansided at the Pelican Brief. Sean, the magic man, uh, are you here? Everything okay? Everything all good, my friend? Sean, you here? Oh, okay. Well, he's still uh, still maybe having some Canadian internet difficulty. But I'll tell you what, though, you've got the the injuries there. Oh, and as, as far as at least, you know, hopefully that they will get back to, to good health. I know, like you said, sprained ankle to start off with. Those things can be nasty, uh, you know, continuously. that can be nagging for a little while. So I'm hoping yeah, that you know, everything will be okay with Alvarado. Of course, Trey Murphy. It's about a, what, a 9 to 12 week status for him is what's been determined. Yeah, the team officially put out 10 to 12 weeks. Everything you're hearing from Trey and his side of the story, and I mean, his mom's even active on Twitter or X, as they call it now, giving updates. It looks like he's going to be closer to the short end of the stick, you know, that 9, 10, 11. It does not sound like it's going to be an old Pelicans narrative of, they say 12 weeks, then it's two more weeks, then it's two more weeks. That's not the case. You hear Trey's already excited. He's, you know, getting really engaged into the physical therapy aspect of it. And all, all signs point to he will be ready before like a Thanksgiving instead of a Christmas, New Year's, or even Mardi Gras, if you want to use a New Orleans reference for, for the holidays. Well, I'll tell you what, though. Again, your team is loaded with a lot of great assets. They've got a lot of good young players. Still a bright future there. Plus, you've still got a ton of draft picks that you can go ahead and, including the Lakers draft pick. 
So if you can uh, uh, get everyone up to speed, you know, we've always gone back and forth of this on the show in regards to what the New Orleans Pelicans would do or not do in regards to the pick. Obviously, this draft, this most recent draft, you know, they had the chance to go ahead and swap, but unfortunately things didn't work out for them and the Lakers with their late season surge kind of made the, the, the swap, uh, unfortunately for them in New Orleans were kind of, uh, you know, just not even worth it. So they didn't do it. Tell us your thoughts on what the possibility could be for the Lakers and New Orleans, because there's still one more first round draft pick on the queue that New Orleans has for the Lakers. Right. They can take the Lakers pick in this upcoming draft 2024, not seen as a top heavy. There's still some depth to be had there. Kind of like this season, though, the Pelicans can defer that swap to 2025. This season is really, you know, it's a lost opportunity cost. It's almost a fake pick. You know, L.A. traded us that pick and the Pelicans didn't get to use that that avenue of getting better because they fell off this next year. You kind of from a New Orleans standpoint, you hope the Lakers are decent enough that it 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 makes the decision for this front office. They push it to 2025. Maybe LeBron's gone. AD's had another year. You're not quite sure what the Lakers are going to do in 2025 as opposed to 2024. It does help this front office. As you mentioned, we have a lot of assets, contracts that Griff, basically the whole front office has their contract extensions already in place. They're not under pressure in a way that maybe they would have been last year. Same thing with B.I., You've heard about his contract extension and how they're not going to do it this year. And all the reasons for that makes perfect sense. B.I. can wait, make more money. I think the hot seat talk about this team and people being under pressure has been relieved because they've taken care of all the contract situations, except for B.I.'s going into this season. And everybody knows where Ingram's going to stand. If he makes the all NBA team, he'll be hanging around. If he doesn't, there'll still be a fair market value. The Pelicans pay him because he is part of their core and their future. But looking at just the Lakers pick this year, you kind of hope that both the Pelicans and Lakers make the playoffs and everybody can stick that into a to-be-decided-next-year category. Well, let's get into the team now. And you mentioned Brandon Ingram, who is not coming off the best summer in the world after the performance with Team USA. Obviously, his displeasure at how he was utilized because Steve Kerr had a vision for him in utilizing him one way, and, and he... He was able to not be, he wasn't able to go ahead and, and be utilized in a proper way. So I ask you, my friend, when it comes to BI, is he really a cornerstone for the future for the Pelicans? The reason why I'm saying is because, like you said, if he does not get that all, all star uh, or he all NBA team status where he gets the, the extension that he's looking for, is it to the point where with Zion and him, are they a good enough fit to go forward as a unit? Or do you see something else happening? Because again, depending on who I've talked to over the past couple of seasons, some say BI is going to be a cornerstone and some say he's going to be a trade piece going forward. Right. If you want to structure it as the top is your franchise player, and you can only have one that's Zion underneath that. You can have a cornerstone player or slash asset, which is what Brandon Ingram would be. Him and Zion can play perfectly well together. And what I'm hearing out of B.I.'s camp and the Pelicans camp is Ingram could not be as assertive as he likes to be on the court with Team USA, even though he's a reserved guy with his personality and how he goes through the press conferences. He couldn't assert himself the way he wanted to with Team USA. He's going to come in and say, all right, Curry, you coached it this way and showed what I can't do. This 82-game season is to show you what I can do Okay. from B.I. And just the – 
their fit is perfect. I think he's a cornerstone in that even if he's not an all NBA type and they do wind up trading him, it will be for such a haul that they will get fair market value. It won't be one of those, you know, 60 cents on the dollar type deals where they lose Ingram for basically nothing or a fake pick from the Lakers or something like that. <laughs> they will get something very substantive out of a Brandon Ingram trade if it comes to that, but I don't think it will come to that because this was the this was the offseason if you wanted to reset contractually and get rid of Ingram and send him out for, say, a Scoot Henderson, which was all the rage and all the rumors. Yeah. You've now missed out on that contractual reset period right here, especially since we just talked about it. Next draft, you don't have a Scoot Henderson. So you making that deal would make less sense. Brandon Ingram would be on a expiring at that point. I think they have to see him. The front office has to see Ingram as a cornerstone. Even if he's not going to be a cornerstone caliber player for three or four years, they will get a return for him in the next one or two that's paying off in the next four or five. This is Raphael from NBADraftJunkies.com, and you are listening to the Lakers Fast Break. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. My last movie that I saw in the theaters was The Last Skywalker. I know, condolences to me. Wow, man. Right. I I just had talked about that, and I completely forgot that I saw that movie. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) That doesn't speak great things about it, I suppose. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse. Catch our shows on Worldwide Radio seven days a week and wherever you get your podcasts. Once again, it is Christopher Dodson. Please go ahead and check out the great work that he does each and every time out. I'm going to post the link here in the chat for fan cited the Pelican Debrief. Also here today, good man indeed. It is Laker Nick joining us. Laker Nick, great to have you here. You are here early in the chat, so I'm assuming that you got some great things to go ahead and ask Dodson about the New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, yeah, Gerald and Dodson, it's great to speak with you, and thanks for taking the time uh, to share some of your thoughts on the Pelicans and, and Lakers uh, later on in the program. Um, one uh, question, and Gerald, you beat me to it as far as Brandon Ingram and his future and Dodson's thoughts on that, but even going a little further back than that, um, you know, taking a step back, I would just love to get Dodson's thoughts on just kind of what he has thought about the Pelicans and whatever plans or trajectory 
that the general manager there has tried to carve out over the past uh, maybe two, three years. Obviously, they uh, traded and let go of Drew Holiday, which at the time I didn't really understand that transaction. Um, in retrospect, uh, you know, trading Lonzo was a good deal, but even then I thought that Lonzo was a valuable player, great passer, great defender, obviously injury prone, but he did turn into a very consistent shooter. Um, but then you get, you know, a high volume shooting guard like CJ McCollum. Um, obviously you have uh, a Zion who's a talent, but, you know, is also injury plagued. So like, I would just like to get Dotson's thoughts on what he has thought about the Pelicans and their management and leadership over, you know, the last two, three, four years and what they've tried to do with this roster. Yeah, Nick, got you. Uh, first, just looking at the, the, you said you didn't understand the Drew Holiday trade. Lonzo, I'll, I'll run down Griff real quick for you. And he's the executive vice president. Trajan is the GM. I love what they built. And in their introductory press conferences, they come out and said they wanted to sustain championship culture. When Griff was in Cleveland, he hired a couple coaches and had a plan. And then LeBron decided he was coming back to Cleveland. He wiped away all those plans. David Griffin wants this to be very organic. But if you look at how he's operated, who was the most desperate team when Anthony Davis was being traded? It was the Lakers. It was them in Boston, but L.A. really needed him. Who was the most desperate team to leverage in the Drew Holiday trade? It was Milwaukee with Giannis, and he needed to get to, you know another core piece. Same for Lonzo. Lonzo wanted to leave. That deal got Chicago fined by the NBA and the you know the front office or, or the headquarters, but Chicago was desperate to get him, and we didn't get much back. But we got Garrett Temple, some picks, Sadoransky. They had some, you know, leeway there. They got some extra margin for error with that Lonzo trade. So if you're looking at what Griff does, sending out the best player, he's always looking for the franchise that he can leverage the most. It's been tougher when he wants to bring things in, like a CJ. They got Larry Nance Jr. thrown into that deal. Griff leveraged that out. If he does not see a leverage point that he can really win the deal on, I don't see Griff doing those deals, if that answered some of your question on that part. And just with Barry and Ingram B.I. on this team, they can play together. Again, Ingram's come out and said he couldn't assert himself in fee, but he's really going to assert himself this year. And you talked about the body type and how this team wants to shape around him. We've heard Griff talk just this year at Summer League when I was out in Vegas on how Brandon Ingram works all summer on building up his body, but not his basketball body. He'll come in with a body that's got all this muscle, all this weight, all this extra stuff he can do with it, but none of that's been done on a basketball court, and then he picks up little knocks, and those little knocks extend to weeks and maybe even a month or two that he's on the shelf. I think you'll see the approach from a physical standpoint and maybe an ounce of, you know, uh, what is it, an ounce of uh, preparation is worth a pound of cure. You'll see this team, Brandon Ingram played all summer. He's used to playing on that body. They're going to come in and work with him there. Same for Zion. They got rid of uh, Aaron Nelson. They've redone that performance and analytics department and how they're going to develop players. They have went all in and spent, from what I'm hearing, over a million or two just to revamp all that. And I think you'll see that play a big part in Brandon Ingram and Zion staying on the court, but also in how they come out and play, how they show you they've been preparing. And and that, that performance and analytics department has got with them and showed them, this is what you can do on the court. This is when you overexert yourself which is something we've seen with these two stars. And that's what we want to avoid so that these injuries do not linger. And I think that's what you're going to see with B.I., Zion, and the front office. 
is more of a collaboration, communication, a plan for what they've been doing this summer. They had, that has not been the case in previous years, and they'll tell you that. Right. And no, and, and I really appreciate that, Donson. And actually, just uh, on that point, and, and Gerald and I are outsiders looking in into the Pelicans organization, and you're obviously the expert I'm here. trying to look in now. I'm <laughs> trying to look in now. We're trying to get more insight. So uh, you, Dodson, since you're in it, how would you kind of grade or qualify, you know, the Pelicans' uh, leadership and how they've tried to structure, you know, the Pelicans now and uh, the outlook for the future? Have they done a good job? Is it an A, a type of performance, C, B? How do you grade it? Yeah, as someone who was born in Homa, south of New Orleans, someone who's got their first job for Forbes writing about the Pelicans and Saints when Zion come along and Sports Illustrated, all this that I've done, I have to give Griff, uh, Mickey Loomis had to, you know, he used to help run basketball operations. Now he's over with the Saints, but Dennis Lauschka, Griff, Trajan, what they've built, I give them an A. I can't give A plus for them, but I, I still have to give them an A because they come out with a plan. They told us how they wanted it to be sustainable. They said what they were bringing the assets in for it. It wasn't going to be a big swing for the fence move immediately. They've been straight up with us for the most part as far as the media. They've been straight up as far as the plan, and it looks like they followed that pathway pretty well, especially when you look at the roster and see how much homegrown talent's on this roster, going from Jose, Najee, Herb, Trey. They This team – has really bonded with the city. And this is another reason I give them an A. It's not because of on court. It's because, and Griff's wife has come out and said this, when they first moved to town, there was no Pelicans gear. Now there's not only Pelicans gear, there's people talking to her when she's going to get wine, asking about the team. You can't ask for more from a front office or an executive leadership group than to make your team relevant. And as the smallest market team in the NBA, the worst thing we could do is not be relevant because now you're easier to move. Griff has come in and made this team relevant in a way that Gail Benson went into her secession plan. And I reported on this. I've got the whole thing mapped out. The next owners have to agree to sign on to bring more investment to these teams and this community because they are relevant in this community. So I don't care about the draft picks. I'm somebody that's born from here. Somebody that's going to stay from here and die from here. As long as we got a team and it's relevant and shout out to Chris Connor, Mr. Impatient Bull on Twitter, doing his thing for the kids. Not a dollar this goes to anybody. But if it says New Orleans on the front, we stand behind it. This front office has come in and really adopted that. And you see in New Orleans, any team, if they come in and adopt that, we love you. If you come in and act like you better and want to be somewhere else, who this city will turn against you. It don't matter what sport. Great to have you here, Chris. I'm telling you what, it's just so fantastic to hear the insight that you're having on, of course, what's going on with the New Orleans Pelicans. And also as well, he is back. He is here. Finally, the Canadian internet has finally been worked out. He's the madman from Toronto. Please go ahead and make sure you go ahead and acknowledge that he has gotten out of Toronto traffic to go ahead and talk to Dodson today. It is the magic man, Sean Grice. And magic man, great to have you here. Laker Nick as well. Talking to Dodson about the New Orleans Pelicans. What's your thoughts, my friend? We haven't even touched on the Z topic as of yet, so I may leave that up to you. Well, thank you very much, and I'd like to apologize to uh, Gerald and Dawson and our audience for not being here on time. Punctuality is kind of a necessity in this job, and I apologize for being tardy, gentlemen. No, that's Canadian internet. I saw you trying to get in. It's just like, you know, 
Justin Trudeau wouldn't let you go through. So, <laughs> uh, Dawson, it looks like you're in a beautiful cabin out there. Uh, I'm envious right now. Uh, my, my question to you is, look, we, we all know when he's healthy, Zion's the best small ball five in the NBA. And he's likely probably, uh, as a composite, the best small ball five you could uh, imagine in the NBA. But uh, himself, CJ and Brandon have not been able to find time to be on the floor together uh, as as a trio. Uh, less than 500 minutes played together. Uh, CJ had to deal with a lot a lot of uh, knickknack injuries last year. How do you feel with those three coming into the lineup this year that they'll be able to find some cohesion? And, uh, man, they got off to a blistering start when they were healthy. Yeah, they did. They did. And uh, you say Zion's the best small ball five. He's probably also the best big ball one. He's probably the best regular ball four. Uh, when it comes to CJ fitting in next to B.I. and Zion, because I think that's more the dynamic, uh, if you can't play basketball next to Zion, you're probably not a good basketball player. <laughs> probably right. It's yeah. that simple. Because he can be moved any spot on the court. We've seen him hit four threes his first night out against San Antonio. If you're, if you're good at basketball, you can figure things out around Zion. And CJ's good at basketball. He's not they got the all-star talent and all that, uh, you know, the recognition. But he's pretty good at basketball. Brandon Ingram, very reserved guy, great on the court. And watches – they're going to hate to hear it. Brandon Ingram watches more tape than any of them. So he's going to learn how to fit. It's more about just Zion being Zion. And I love Zion. Most people in New Orleans know this. I asked a question that got him talking about Biggie during the uh, media days last year. And he went on and on about, you know, is really revealing himself to you. I'm also the guy that asked Zion, how would you rate your defense? And he threw the Drewski thing, asked me, it was fun. So we have a decent rapport. And I would say one, he's in the best shape. He's you hear that every off season. He's in the best shape of his life. Now he really is. You can hear people talking about it. I've been saying it for weeks, going to all the local shows. Now Griff's coming in and saying, Zion almost never left the gym. He almost didn't leave New Orleans except for, I think, three trips. He went to Paris for the Nike thing. He went to Vegas. And then there's a third trip that, hey, man's about to be a father, him and his soon-to-be mother-to-be. They can have their own trip. It's not my problem. I ain't reporting on it. But Zion and going to be fine. CJ and Ingram around Zion will be fine. It's just a matter. You said less than 500 minutes. I don't even think they played 200 minutes together. It's like 179. Yeah, they've only I played in 10 right. games together, and that's just off the top of my head. But literally 10 games, and some of those minutes, they don't matter. There's only so much you can do to gel in those 10 minutes. You're really only getting five minutes because there's a rebound here. There's a transition there. They're not getting to play together. They're on the court together, but they didn't get to play together. They didn't get to run those half court sets. And I think that I've heard this from the coaching staff. Even uh, I did do a podcast called South Coast Swish. We had Akilah Reese on. He was a team assistant with the coaches and was on the bench with the Pelicans at Summer League. You're going to hear about these guys wanting to get in those half-court sets. Not slow down the game, but they need to be able to see the game faster when it does slow down. And that was trouble for them. Those three guys can run all day. When it came time to the half-court sets, they didn't get that much time. They didn't get that much repetition. and and that small sample size left a lot to be desired, even though it looked good. So we're hoping to see more of that going forward because that's that's what we have to expect, both as a fan as some a media person. You have to expect they're going to show you what they've shown and build upon it. And what it's not going to just crumble. Not after the experience CJ just had, 
that after the FIBA experience B.I. just had, and not with the attitude of Zion wanting to prove the world, these last few years have been growing pains, not what you're going to have to grow to expect. Once again, it's Christopher Dodson. Please go ahead and check out the tremendous work that he does each and every time out at Fansided at the Pelican Debrief. Also as well, go ahead and follow him on Twitter as I'm doing as we speak at Doing It Dodson on Twitter slash X slash whatever it is, paywall, whatever they're going to be doing each and every week. But yes, go ahead and follow him today right there on Twitter slash X. Laker Nick, your thoughts? Any more as far as for... Dodson on the team, New Orleans, just going forward. I mean, there's a lot of promise there. There's a lot of things that they could go ahead and make sure that they can get done the season. Any comments or questions that you have for Dodson? Sure. Yeah. Thanks, Gerald. Uh, Dodson, again, it's been super helpful. And I think the audience is uh, loving your insights. Um, as you may uh, suspect on the Lakers side of things, we have a lot of question marks as far as starting lineups, as far as rotations. Um, you know, our roster, even though we're bringing back the core, we have a lot of new pieces and um, with the inclusion of Christian Wood and whatnot, that could definitely, uh, you know, add different variables that our coach could uh, put out on the floor. In terms of the Pelicans, uh, what do you expect to be the starting lineup at this point? Or do you also find yourself in a similar position where there are a lot of holes, a lot of question marks that need to be answered? Uh, prior to the start of the season, maybe during training camp or the actual preseason games? Now, I think the starting five, and great question, Nick. Thanks again. Uh, the starting five will stay pretty much status quo, especially since Trey is injured and hurt with that meniscus is going to be out. You're going to have CJ, B.I., Valanchunas, Zion, and Herb. I think there's not much you can do with that starting lineup to swap Trey in and out. That'll just be something where you have to make those runs in game, so to speak. Uh, you got Kyra Lewis Jr. who's going to have to battle with Jose and some of our uh, those, you know, who's going to run the reserve minutes for New Orleans is big pictures or big battles. But other than that, this team's set pretty much. Uh, unlike the Lakers, who I think has the longest preseason in the NBA. Y'all have 60-game preseason. As long as you figure it out by game 60, you've got that ramp up for the next 22 games with LeBron in the playoffs. That's all. The Pelicans are a little bit more under the – they've got to show it. They won't change the starting lineup much. I don't even think you'll see more than two or three different starting lineups this season unless injuries just start piling up because Trey will jump in. I think Jordan Hawkins might get a spot start. Cody Zeller will get a spot start if Giannis is hurt. But there's not much change to be done there uh, as far as the Pelicans. they just really got to figure out who they are, set that identity – and then actually stick to it. The Lakers, I think, have a little bit more leeway. Well, you were right on that because the Lakers did have more starting lineup changes than anyone in the NBA last season. So you're right on the 60-game preseason indeed. But there's one player that we haven't talked about yet that is up for an extension, may be a free agent sometime in the not-too-distant future, whether or not he stays with New Orleans. It's been up in question. That's Jonas Valanciunas. So tell me your thoughts where you stand with JV, is he the center for the future that fits alongside Zion, or is it something else or someone else that may be a better fit with Zion going forward? Uh, there's some better fits out there, but if you look at what Valanciunas does for this team and just as a whole on the league, he's a 12th to 17th best center, depending on the night and the matchup. Mm -hmm. 
I don't think you'll see Jonas move before the season. I know some still talk about that, or even the deadline. I don't think JV has ever not signed a contract extension before free agency. He's never hit the open market. So I would actually expect to see one year tacked on to JV before the season starts so that as a trade asset, you've got more security there. He'd have the money as far as security and the years. They're going to let it play out because they haven't seen enough of Zion and JV together. We know he can hit the open three. We know his little pump fake. JV loves that pump fake to go by you. And it's just going to be really hard to upgrade on him because look at the 10 or 12 centers above him. You got MVP candidates. You got some guys are just either too old, too young, or mean too much to their team. Uh, there's only so much you can do there to upgrade on JV. So I think that's why you'll see a year tacked on, and then they'll see what options develop. They don't have to be in a in a rush to find the perfect center because Zion signed up for five more years. They can they can give JV a little bit more of a sample size and a runway to find out does he need to be here another two or three years on probably what's going to be a de-escalating contract that'll look great at the end? Or is he just aging out and too slow-footed to do what this team needs, especially if it comes down to, like, say, that all-star break? And this is a top three team. But JV's only playing top 15, top 17, top 18 ball as a center. That's when you'll see maybe a push for a Miles Turner who's been – the idea of Miles Turner in New Orleans has been here for four years. Whether the actual thing happens, we'll never know. We just a little wait. bit longer than he has been a thought in the Lakers' mind. I can tell you that because I know there's certain individuals like uh, one of our famous Laker, Tom. He has been imagining a Buddy healed Miles Turner package now for over a calendar year. So, yes, I I, I do know where FS you speak. When it oh, yeah, and they still want to put – Turner can play the five and put AD at the four where he likes it, but Turner didn't like that in Indiana. So, hey, yeah. what, what are you going to do? Exactly. Exactly. Indeed. Sean, uh, you got more great questions for Dotson. He's been terrific so far. Got to keep on rolling, my friend. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Dotson, you know, it, 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 there's a lot to like about their roster. They got really nice, specific role players, right? They got Jose Alvarado, who's a really nice role player, by the way. Herb Jones does his job. Probably might end up being the steal of his generation could be an all defensive team this year. Yeah. yeah. Dylan Daniels is nice. Uh, they drafted uh, Lydell, but Lydell got hurt. So who do you see stepping up from the young group dots? Because there's gotta be somebody. There's always somebody that comes up from, uh, from the bottom to, to the top. Who do you think is that player? Uh, the X factor for the Pelicans this year. If it's going to be one of the ones you mentioned, it has to be Dyson Daniels, eighth overall pick, played with Australia. He's the got the height, length, talent. Like Kyra Lewis Jr. and Jose are six feet tall. You can't have too many six foot tall guards on your roster and expect your defense to be anything. Dyson, from what I'm hearing, is already pitching six, eight, six, nine. He's really starting to grow another inch. You know, it's got to be Dyson if this front office wants that pick to be seen as something that they got something out of. If not, Dyson could be on the verge of a bust. Kyra, he's never had a chance. He had a COVID year. Then he had the injury. Then he had the surgery. He's very fast, but that's his only elite skill. And sometimes, I hate to say it, he doesn't know how to use it. He'll get three steps ahead of a play, but then has to wait two steps to actually see how he can get downhill and pressure the rim. Jose does great pressure in the rim, but he's hurt. So it's going to be some guys stepping up. It's got to be one of those young guards. 
EJ Liddell, I think EJ is going to be great. He's going to spend some time in Birmingham knocking off rust. He'll still be a rookie this year. And Trajan was looking at drafting EJ two years ago. That's something he went on publicly about and said if EJ would have come out the year before, he'd have been the second-round draft pick of the Pelicans then. He got that extra year of development. They still drafted him. Then he got hurt. This team really believes in what EJ could do. He's going to do more than Billy Hernan Gomez did last year. <laughs> He's going to be the guy that is going to take over Larry Nance's junior's job in two years. That's that's his pathway and everything I've seen from him in the gym. I mean, his his shot is just silky smooth as far as being that stretch four who can come out there and do the small things. They don't need him to do it for 20 minutes a night, but eight to 10 minutes, you will see EJ show why he might have been a might have should have been a borderline first round pick, but he was a little too old, a little too injured, had them knocks come out of college. But same as Herb. Herb played his senior year with a cast on his hand in Alabama. If he doesn't play with that cast, he doesn't drop to the Pelicans. No. No, So not they've got to figure out. I think they've got their top six or seven. But you're going to see the Kyra, Jose, Dyson, Jordan. Somebody's got to step out of that group because they're going to have to make a consolidating trade. Probably going to be Kyra if they have to get under the tax before tip, you know, opening tip. But that's the most intriguing battle to me is those guys. Somebody's got to step up. And if it's not Dyson, he looks the worst. If it is Jose – he looks the best because he came from the bottom to nothing. The other guys started with the first round pick, and now they're dropping where they can't get minutes. Laker Nick, you got anything for Dodson? Uh, I mean, great interview so far. He's been terrific so, so far on the program. Yeah, thanks, Gerald. Um, Dodson, uh, earlier, uh, just a little earlier, you mentioned the word identity and how the New Orleans Pelicans uh, should try to find that identity in the coming season. Um, I would just want you to expand on that. What do you see the identity being? What would you realistically expect that identity to be um, once the season starts in October? And this is going to make it tough on Willie Green with Trey being out because last year there was a mandate for 35 frees a game. They barely ever hit it. And games where they shot less than 30 attempts, they had a losing record. If they made it to even 32 attempts, they had a winning record. Now you've just lost your best shot create, uh, you know, shot maker. Trey is just all world, in my opinion. He's one of the top five, ten best shooters on the planet. But this team really could double down if they wanted to change their identity to being a paint-bruising team with Zion and JV. They did it last year. It was great. They were like plus 18 as far as uh, 118. They, were, they had the best offense in the league without even chasing those threes. If their identity is to play to your strengths, they should not have a mandate to chase a certain amount of threes. Take them when they're open. Yeah, that's that's basketball. But if they want an identity that they can call their own, they just got to play to what's coming to them and their strengths. They can't have these mandates where you've got guys overthinking things. And CJ, instead of going to take that floater to get the and one, he's taking a three. B.I. is taking threes instead of attacking them. You don't want to take away that part of these guys' games because that's where their aggressiveness happens. And this team already has – problems drawing foul calls griffin almost got a suspension for fussing about it when zion had his broke hand two years ago they that's what i mean they have to pick an identity they can have these benchmarks they want to hit but if it's not going to happen either due to personnel being out injured matchups or just the way this team is learning to play together with their big three who hasn't played 200 minutes together at a time if that's what they turn out being good at is just being bullies go be bullies 
go win games. Don't have a mandate to take threes and shoot yourself out in the third quarter, which we've seen over 10 times last year. And before that, when Willie Green went 1-12, and and they were trying to shoot their way out of trouble. That's not the way to win. Go win the game. That's your identity. If you want to be a winner, you want to be a championship team, go win the game with what wins you the game. Absolutely. That's, that's what I get. I get animated about that one because sometimes it gets <laughs> ridiculous watching some of these open shots or open actions go missing and they'll skip one pass to go to the other end and take a contest three. We don't need that. Nope, nope. I agree with you wholeheartedly on that. Uh, great thoughts right there. Uh, Sean, uh, I was going to ask a Jordan Hawkins question, but go ahead, my friend, go, if you got something. Actually, no, I was just I was just really contemplating what, what uh, Dotson was saying there and realizing that uh, we really didn't luck out with Russell Westbrook at all, Gerald, because that was that was on steroids what we saw with Russell compared to the Pelicans. You think? Right, and I watched Russ. I played poker with Russ about four or five years ago. I love Russ. Me and Russ are, like, I'm not going to say we're cool. He wouldn't know me probably out of the lineup, but we were in Blackhawk together, and he check-raised me a few times. I know the man. I've been all in right. before. I love Russ. I hate what they did to Russ in trying to make him Steph Curry. He's not Steph Curry. No. Let that man attack the room. Uh, well, I'll tell you what, though. I got a question for you on the on the roster, and it is Jordan Hawkins. Uh, you've got a chance, I'm sure, to check him out as far as what you saw uh, this summer from him. What are your prospects for him being able to contribute maybe a little bit earlier than expected due to the injuries on the team? He'll get a chance. I'm not sure I expect him to contribute too early. Even Griff has come out this week uh, on a couple of different press conferences and calls and said that he's going to spend time in Birmingham. Mm -hmm. I don't think the team will be saying that if they saw something like when Herb Jones come in and Willie Green called Griff and was like, hey, I'm going to start Herb. And Griff said, yeah, yeah, it's summer league. Start him, do whatever. Willie said, no, no, I'm, I'm starting Herb. There was no question about Herb going to Birmingham. Even Trey had to go to Birmingham once he lost confidence in his shot. The fact they're already talking about him going to Birmingham tells me that they're going to lean heavily on, and they did this last year, lean on the veterans. They're going to give the guys who've been in the building a shot to win the job, which we just talked about with the Kyra Jose's, Trey. Those guys will get the shot. And if Jordan was coming in there and really just lights out during the open runs, they wouldn't be talking about Birmingham this soon. And I talked with, I got to set, uh, what was that, the third game. You know, after, if you go to Vegas for Summer League, the first couple games, it's packed. Once the stars start getting, sitting out, it gets a little bit quieter and colder in them gyms. But Tell I got to sit it. with Jordan's mom and dad and talk. And even they said, it's going to take him six months to acclimate. It's, it's taken him six months to acclimate at every step of the level in, in his process and journey in becoming an NBA player. So I think it's going to take him these three months and then another three months in G League and coming back and forth to really get his feet under him. So if I see something great out of Jordan, out the box, I consider that just found money because the team's already talking about how he's going to need to go to Birmingham and really shape up, um, you know, sharpen his skills a little bit more. We're signaling the ref for a quick timeout but we'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, 
The scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Needing an edge for your fantasy football team? Listen to the guys at Inside Sports Fantasy Football for insight that will help you reach your league championship. That's Inside Sports Fantasy Football. Check it out today on your favorite podcast outlet. Once again, it is Christopher Dotson. Please go ahead and check out the great work that he does each and every time out at the Pelican Debrief. Right there as part of the fan-sided experience. Plus also as well, please follow him on Twitter slash X right there at Doing It Dodson. So go ahead and check out his great work today. Big shout out to Kurt Affair for the question on Jordan Hawkins. But guys, uh, any last Pelican questions before we hear some thoughts from him on the Lakers? And of course, what he's up to as well. Uh, Nick, uh, maybe you got some uh, more questions for him on, on the Pelicans before we head over to the Lakers? Yeah, Gerald, thanks. Um, I am curious to hear Dodson's thoughts on just uh, more specifically Willie Green. Obviously, this is his first head coaching job. He was an assistant for a number of years. Um, and hearing Dodson's comments on uh, the Pelicans' identity or their need to find one and how he's, uh, you know, seen some habits on the floor, whether that be, uh, you know, missing plays and whatnot. Um, how much is that attributable to Willie Green? And maybe, uh, you know, Dotson could give some commentary on, on Willie's strengths and weaknesses as a head coach so far. Right. His strengths so far, everyone knows, is he's more of a player's coach than an X and O's coach. That, that's just an open secret. That's why they're bringing in uh, James Borrego from Charlotte. And you'll see a far different offense, I think, this year, which goes back into they're going to have to pick an identity. Uh, when Willie Green first got the job, and he wasn't the first name for this job. He probably wasn't even the second or third. If y'all remember, Jock Vaughn turned the job down before Willie Green even came in. So there's been some directives, I think, from the top where he had to play like a play the youngsters or, oh, the youngsters aren't working out. We're going to send Trey to Birmingham, play Garrett Temple. I think these first two years, he's got to learn on the job, and it's not going to be a continuation of any of those certain aspects and traits. It's going to be – coming in with a new coaching staff because he's finally getting his own coaching staff. He got rid of Teresa Weatherspoon's off the bench this year. You got other guys coming in. His best attribute as a coach, I'm sorry if I got off track there for a second, is getting the guys to buy in. And that could be buying into whatever system. They'll do that with James and, and the implementation of the playbook later. But when you saw it when he came in after the Stan Van Gundy year and kept this team afloat after a 1-12 start, that these guys still loved playing for Willie. They had his back. They were not going to let him fail on account of them doing something half-assed. You won't get that from Willie. And the way he's led this group, knowing that he's going to have this core group for this year and the next year, and the Pelicans are going to grow slow, he's he's taking his time with some of the development. I think you'll see a little bit more of a uh, – he's going to have to light a fire under Kyra this year uh, is what I'm expecting. But as far as Willie having the respect of other coaches, you can have asked in press conferences before, and it's Willie has done a great job leading them guys and helping them grow as men. And this is a young roster 
Willie, I'm almost Willie's age. You know, he just turned 40. He was just watching his son in the NCAA tournament. He's got some of that where he, he's still got like the player mentality to him too. He's he's out there dunking during practices. Willie's out there dunking. Can your coach dunk? I don't think so. So he's still got that to him, and Willie's going to have to learn a little I, bit to I don't let that say, go. I don't want to put that entirely past Darvin Ham, so but probably you're right on that. I'm, I'm pretty sure you're right on that. There's not too many coaches that can get up there and say they ever done it, but I think that's where Willie's going to have to learn to let some of those player attributes that have gotten yeah. him this far. He's going to have to let that go a little bit, be a little bit more of an authoritarian and an accountability person because that's been some of the themes that this team's dealt with in the last four years is there's no accountability. And that goes back to Alvin Gentry just rolling the ball out for practice. No, I was just going to say, thanks, Dodson. I'd just like to add that if we assume that LeBron is our coach, then our coach could dunk Dodson. <laughs> How many more years? Because LeBron's getting that bad. guys finger rolls. Just lay it on the grass. It counts for two points. This you don't is see true. any more this of those. True indeed. Reach back and slam it, LeBron. Eh. His knees are just as old as I am. We graduated. Nah, nah, brother. When we when we saw him on the fast break and the ball dribbled off his knee, that was. We all pointed at each other. It was like, it's it's getting close. Right. It's I think close. I was watching that game with uh with a Lakers fan, Jonathan Lesterthorn. He just married my sister of all things yep. a few years ago. But when that play happened, I said, Father Time ain't winning, but Father Time's over the scoreboard about to check in. Yeah. <laughs> this is true. This is true indeed. You got Father uh, Time just sitting on his ass, getting ready, just ready to check in. <laughs> Next shot. Sean, uh, have you got anything uh, before we head to the Lakers? Absolutely. Uh, Dodson, when, I, when I'm looking at the Pelicans roster, uh, I'm also looking at the Kings roster from last year. I see a lot of similarities. The The big difference was the Kings didn't have to deal with injuries last year. Yep. They were relatively healthy. So they were the healthiest team in the NBA, weren't they? They were the healthiest team in the NBA. If you Let's, give that to the Pelicans, they're well, a first-place team, and they proved that last December. Yeah, yeah. Well, last December, they were. you're right, man. They were 23-12 and 12, December 30th. They were in first place in the division. Do you think if if uh, they get a little luck, they'll be right there, uh, nipping at the heels of the Memphis Grizzlies in that division? Right, and I don't know if Memphis makes it that high this year either because they're dealing with the jaw thing. Yeah. And I've said this: I don't. We don't. New Orleans doesn't need this big dose of luck. Zion, Bi, CJ, pretty much all the stars. You you know every star on your team. They're missing five games, no matter what. They're missing five, ten. I think this team still, if you get 72 games with Zion and B.I., you're happy. You're wonderful. You get 65. It's when you get to the 16, if they're missing 15, 18, 20 games, that's when you need, you know, you need the luck, but it's already run out. They've already missed the games. I think they can, this is a first place team. Larry Nance Jr. said it plenty of times. It's a first place team in that locker room. They've just got to have reversed, revert back to the mean luck for injuries. They don't even need good luck. They just need to revert back to the mean luck, and they'll be right there in first place in the mix with uh, all the usual suspects. I don't know if Sacramento has their luck with injuries this year, and they kind of come out of nowhere last year. There's a lot more tape on how they like to win games. They might revert back to that mean. It's going to be tough out west, though. They got 10, 12 teams that really believe they're a top six team, and the math just doesn't work out. 
Absolutely, indeed. Uh, again, some great thoughts from Christopher Dodson. Please go ahead and support him today on the Pelican de Debrief on Fansided. Uh, Alan says, I don't think it's luck. Zion just needs a strong diet to take pressure off his knees. Are you worried about the long-term health for Zion, or do you think it's now in a better place? They do have, like you said, a new medical team in place, training team in place. Do you, are you still worried, though, that about Zion's long-term uh, future and commitment because of just how much, uh, I guess, just a sheer mass that he, you know, just because of who he is and, and how much he could just, just put on those knees, those ankles, those joints over the course of time, maybe in his late 20s, early 30s stuff, does that might start showing up that maybe a little bit earlier than in other players? Yeah, that's kind of two different questions. Do I trust, uh, like, in history? Am I worried about that? Yes, everybody's worried about it because we have an injury history. He's blown out. But like the guy said, it's something about his knee and he needs a better diet. It wasn't his knee. It was his hamstring that went out this year. The meniscus and stuff was from way back when. I'm not worried about his diet and the commitment. One, because I see his commitment. He's been in the gym. You've got media guys like me saying it for weeks. Griff's come out and said it. Other players are saying it. His commitment, I'm not worried about. The injury history, you're going to have to worry about it a little bit. But no, I know where Zion eats. It's not like he's eating gas station fried chicken. You know what I mean? It's just tough for him to get hurt and then be out for three or four months. Everybody's going to have an issue, no matter if you're just eating zucchini and pasta all the time. It, it just It's difficult. Doing that as a growing boy at 19 to 22, he was always going to grow some more. So questioning his commitment and diet to me is either people want to be haters, either ill-informed, maybe worse. You know, there might be New York and L.A. media that want him to blow his diet so he can come to their team. And as soon as he goes to their team, they won't have those worries. So if he's on your team, if you'd have those same worries, be worried about him. But some of that is just nonsense. And Zion has been committed. He can't help some of the fluke injuries. He can't help that he's so powerful he blew through a shoe while Obama was watching. You know what I mean? He can't help yeah. that he turned and was so explosive uh, on January 2nd playing against Joel Embiid in Philly that his hamstring popped. That, that to me, trying to connect that hamstring or some of the other issues, and one of the issues was his foot. He sat out 10 games for his hand. You can't blame his hand. That was because he was getting fouled too hard. There's certain things where you – yeah, Zion needs some more accountability because every 19 to 22-year-old needs more accountability, especially if you give him that paycheck. But as far as the actual person and his character and who I've dealt with and seeing how much he wants to succeed for him, his family, his fans, his community, the city, that's something I I, I, I will never question until I'd have, I'd have to see something drastically out of bounds. And that's even including what we've seen from Zion and the drama on Twitter this year and all that offseason mess. That doesn't bother me at all when it comes to questioning his commitment. It's there. And his earlier infatuation with New York, uh, obviously that's been tampered somewhat because he did sign the extension. So he's pretty much going to be a mainstay for at least uh, several more years to come. And it looks like he's going to be a cornerstone for the team. And if he could just stay healthy and on the court, obviously you see well, a lot of good things coming up for the New Orleans Pelicans, uh, and you said, how far do you have them up in the standings in the Western Conference this year? What are you thinking? I think the top six, as long as Zion, B.I., and C.J. all play at least 60 games. That's all we need. 60 games, they'll avoid the play-in. Okay, fair enough. Uh, absolutely, some great thoughts right there. Laker Nick, any Lakers questions for Dodson before we head on out, my friend? 
Yeah, Dodson, I, I guess uh, we could just open it up with a general question, uh, Gerald, where um, Dodson, I'm sure you've probably taken a look at the Lakers roster, uh, the recent Christian Wood uh, acquisition and whatnot. I've uh, seen most of them play in a New Orleans jersey, Christian Wood, <laughs> Jackson Hayes. Yeah, and, and thanks again for the championship uh, in 2020. We, we still appreciate it. Um, how do I you did arrange three months off for the bubble? Yeah. That three months rest, you know, it done a lot for me too. Okay. <laughs> um, so Dodson, how, what do you, what do you make of the Lakers roster? Um, I've actually heard some, you know, some quote unquote expert pundits on, you know, the major TV network saying that, you know, the Lakers more or less uh, brought back the same players and, it wouldn't necessarily constitute a major improvement for the next season, while other people, uh, you know, say that it the the roster it has uh, vastly improved and, you know, would put the Lakers in a very very deep playoff run, if not a a finals appearance. Um, I would love to get your thoughts on uh, what you make of the Lakers uh, for the coming season and how far you see them going. And to go back to it, you you got more athletic by adding Jackson Hayes alone. You got more scoring punch on the bench and your big man by adding Christian Wood on a minimum deal. If he can't get right under LeBron, Wood will be out the league. We all know that. He's burned too many bridges. Uh, But as far as where you're going to wind up and if they stand in pat all this, again, you have a 60-game preseason. They're not running this back for next playoffs. They – went and looked at this team, talked to LeBron, I'm sure, at AD, and said the core is there to at least give the champs problems in the second round. What do we need to do to get to the finals? That move was not there to be made this summer. You could walk around Summer League and all the options that were there and people, the Kyrie trying to force his way on there and maybe not go back to Dallas. The Lakers preseason ends when the trade deadline ends. This roster starting the season does not matter. It maybe matters 20%. The roster the day after the trade deadline is 80% of your season, in my opinion. You know, if they go win a whole bunch of games to start or lose a whole bunch of games, that's the extremes of the variance. But if it's just a normal, they win, they're, what, 30, 20-something, sitting in the fifth seed, coming in the trade deadline, that's perfect. That's all they need to do is be in the hunt for a top four seed, home court advantage in the first round, an extra four or five games in the playoffs to get that new roster up to speed at Le- where LeBron wants it because this is, let's admit, his last year to it as a championship core leader. Yeah, and and uh, Dodson, I agree with you. Um, the only issue on our end is that Laker fans aren't that patient. And so, uh, you know, you true. could – you know, we went on a uh, what was it, Gerald? It was a two and ten uh, start last season, yep. Yep. Um, and they were obviously like calling for the coach's head at that point. Um, Ham can't afford a start like that again this season. Um, so uh, I agree with you, Dotson. But you know, the fan base here, um, you know, will uh, lose their mind if you know Lakers lose like three in a row. Right, and that's Lakers. That comes with the pressure of being a big, you know big market team that has their own show on HBO until it just got canceled. Not throw that dig in there on you, but hold that back. How many coaches have y'all fired in the first few weeks of the season? I know you got rid of uh, uh, the old Cleveland coach whose name's like him after like five games. Luke Walton didn't last long. 
his ham on his first season was going to get a little bit of a leeway. He can't do two and 10 this year or LeBron will chase him out, you know, but as far as that, Lakers fans are going to have to learn a little bit of patience because look at what you're dealing with. You're dealing with an old LeBron that can't go every night. You're dealing with a coach who's really coaching two different teams. The one with LeBron coaching on the court and the one where the coaches really got to show he's got chops. Sean, uh, any thoughts uh, for Dodson on the Lakers? I've got one on Jackson Hayes coming up, but go ahead, my friend. Yeah, no, I, he's uh, Dodson is right. That that list is, is isn't as short as some people want to believe. Westhead, Magic Johnson, Mike Brown. Mike uh, Brown, Bert, that's who I was thinking of. Yeah, uh, although he wasn't fired, he didn't really get a chance at hell anyway. Bernie Bickerstaff. So we go on and on here. And you can add, um, if you want to look at just coaches that LeBron's got rid of, you got Dave Blatt. And he David also Blatt. wanted to get rid of Polstra when they got off to a slow start. So Ham, he's going to hear more about it from the Lakers fans than I think LeBron and the roster will because that's where you will focus your energy when they lose. Yeah, It just may not be the right way to focus that energy if they get off to a slow start because, again, the, the first two weeks of the season won't make or break the Lakers year. Absolutely. No. So, uh, Dotson, uh, like – so how do you feel overall about the top of the West? Uh, you know, obviously a lot of people are just uh, ready to continue to supplant Denver at the top. A lot of people like the moves Phoenix made in the offseason. Like you said, though, the health dependent, the Lakers are question mark. The Clippers are question mark. Memphis is a question, question mark. mark. Yeah, so. Phoenix, people don't want to say it. Phoenix might be a question mark because look at the injury history of their top guys. Yeah. There's, there's six top teams in the West, and then there's two more that are lying to themselves. We just don't know which two that is yet. Yeah, my my bet is one of those teams is the Mavs because it always feels like uh, at some point Mark Cuban uh, is able to lie to himself and his staff at some point. But you're right, man. It's 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 two teams that are just lying to themselves. That's a great point. Right, and the Mavs. I mean, we can go to this. Uh, it's been a not so open secret. I think I might have even started the rumor if you want to go that way. Zion and Luca want to play together. There's a reason Zion has went to that uh, Nike event the last three or four years when he was only contracted to do like two. Him and Luca, <laughs> when he said Where, where's a good place to eat, and they mentioned Dallas, he's had a couple of dinners with his, you know, family people off to the side, but he's also had a couple of nights with Luca. Luca. And I don't have this from anybody uh, directly sourced, but hearing from you, being in the press boxes, wandering around, what has Dallas done to keep Luca happy? Not and a will damn this, thing. Exactly. This might be the last year of Luca keeping his lips quiet. Loose lips seek ships. When Luca starts talking about being disgruntled, you will know that that ship's already sank in Dallas. And I think you'll get that before Christmas. If he starts complaining to the press, like he complains to the refs, watch out. It's yeah, uh, that that can really get ugly. Really and it's fast. not even in the uh, the 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 press conferences that go live. Some of these times, if you're sitting in the, which I'm at every Pelicans game, I've been at a few with the Dallas, traveling around, you hear them in the hallways. You hear them before the camera comes on, and Luca seems to have lost patience, in my opinion, just being around him for. 15 games over the last three years. It seems like Luca is losing patience. Right. It does seem like it indeed. We'll see if it materializes this season or what happens there. But 
Last question I have for you on the Lakers is the one of the newest arrivals, which we just mentioned earlier, Jackson Hayes, uh, who comes from the New Orleans Pelicans. You spent a great deal of time with him as a player. Uh, just wanted to know your thoughts exactly what his future could be like in a Lakers uniform or somewhere else in the NBA. Yeah, Jackson's going to have to show that he knows basketball with the Lakers and LeBron. I mean, I'll. I love Jackson. I've hung out on the corner of the magazine where Spitter has got his CBD smoke shot with Jackson. We out there when, when Currency did his video that came out was Jackson. I love Jackson. He's going to have to show that his basketball IQ has grown over the last four years because he did not do that in New Orleans. He showed that his dunk package is wonderful. He can do an East Bay in the middle of a game and not think twice about it. But he can't revert, uh, you know, make make any sort of decision on defense without being told where to be at. Yeah. That, that's just not going to work for LeBron. LeBron will chase him off the court if he fails three of those assignments. If he bails out of a pick and roll too soon before he ever even makes contact with the guy, that's something Jackson's had a big problem with in New Orleans is he'll go and set the screen where he thinks the play needs to be made instead of on that plane, so to speak, where when that defender turns, he's in that contact. He's in the pick and roll, and he's sticking to that so the man can get free for Jackson to do something else. Jackson likes to look like he's doing the play, but sometimes he'll bail out of a screen before it's even fully set. He's going to have to do those small things to last in the NBA because those dunks, they're great, but no team's going to want to pay him above a minimum after coming off his, this deal unless he can do something else. He's even got to rebound better. He's got to stay in and box out instead of putting a hand out for who he's supposed to box out. Jackson's got to go put a body on who he's got to box out. And it's it's those little things. In high school, it's great, but we're, we're two steps ahead of that now, Jackson. Your athleticism is not going to win you the day. That's going to be something that we see, at, especially with the Lakers who have known for most part, uh, most of their players, LeBron is probably the most guilty of it, who just are ball watchers when the ball goes up. And as far as the rebounding concern, it's been a source of uh, – a little bit of angst as far as the number of uh, offensive rebounds we give up. And hopefully Jackson can go ahead and correct that and become much more of a rim protector and a presence there and, and maybe be able to work with some of the players as far as what he can do to develop his game. So we're hopeful. We're, it's a flyer. Uh, we're taking a flyer on Jackson Hayes. Uh, hopefully he, he can go ahead and turn around his career. We've got actually more than one resurrection projects that are possible on the Lakers team this year. Yeah, and the Lakers only need one of them to work out, and then at the trade deadline, the other one's gone, right? <laughs> I mean, he's just gone. And you say rim protecting. Jackson Hayes thinks he's protecting the rim, but he's just two big fly swatters. <laughs> I mean, he, he's chasing blocks that aren't there, and it puts him out of position for rebounds. And you say there's ball watchers. Don't let a shot go up that looks a little off. And uh, Jackson thinks he can run and get that big put-back dunk. Because now he's going to overrun the play, overrun the guy he's supposed to be boxing out, and the dunk might go in. He might not get a hand on the ball. Very good point. Very good point indeed. Uh, but you see the Lakers and the Pelicans in the top six in the Western Conference this year. Is that correct? If both are healthy, I think the Pelicans would finish above the Lakers just because they're going to have more youth. They're not going to have the health load management nights maybe LeBron has. Mm -hmm. it, it wouldn't surprise me if we got a four or five series and one team's just going to visit the other. 
if injuries happen, the Pelicans, we know where they wind up. They wind up at the play-in. They've done that the last two years. Lakers be a little tougher, but yeah, I at least want to see the Lakers in the mix. It's always more fun when the Lakers are in the mix. And I also like it when they're right there next to New Orleans and we can make those comparisons. Plus with the draft coming up, obviously, as well. Draft, everything. Yeah, and the draft pick that we talked about at the beginning of the show, where I think it's a little bit different that the Pelicans don't have to decide until the very final moments of the draft before they make their choice on whether or not they will go ahead and and pick this upcoming year or the next, if I'm not mistaken. I heard that on another show. I thought that was uh, brought up. Is that correct, that they, they don't have to do it and don't have to commit until later in the process, if I'm not mistaken? Right. They don't have to actually uh, enforce the swap or get the swap going until basically Adam Silver's up there with the first pick in the NBA. It, it can wait till that night. They can it's mess very, with the Lakers. Yeah, very fluid and dynamic. Obviously, if the Lakers, that's, I don't hope this on anybody just because it's injuries. LeBron gets hurt, AD gets hurt, you finish with a top three pick. Obviously, the Pelicans are not waiting until that night to make the swap known because they can then take that third pick and flip it for someone that will help them now. But if you see the Lakers and, like, let's say they both make the playoff or play in, neither one of them gets a lottery team or a lottery pick. Why would the Pelicans go from 21st to 18th? It's not a big enough of a flip to me. The talent won't be there. The, the, there probably won't be a trade package there just from understanding the dynamics and how they like, like to operate. So why would you not just push that off to 2025 where you get one more year of maybe they break down and it becomes a lottery pick? Unless it's a lottery pick, I do not see the Pelicans exercising that right to swap. I'll tell you what, I've been a tremendous guest and we are just truly grateful for the time that you spent with us. Magic Man or Nick, uh, any last thoughts, comments before we head on out? Nick, looks like you want to say something, my friend. No, I just want to thank uh, Dodson for his time. Uh, it's been excellent. You know, uh, I also appreciated the scenic backdrop uh, right behind him. Um, and so... I'll have a nice little podcast studio. And if you look <laughs> at my podcast, the, it's always changing because uh, either going with family, I'm in New Orleans. I've also picked up a gig where I'm doing a lot of scouting, looking at the next three or four drafts. I'm going to high school games. I'm going to be in college gyms looking at this draft, doing things like that on the with another venture that's going to keep me in the game and maybe maybe move it along. But uh, yeah. yeah, the scene is always going to be changed. Yeah, no, no, Dodson, uh, thanks so much for your time. Again, beautiful backdrop. The only thing that could have made it better is maybe like Bigfoot emerging from behind you, but um, we know you can't control that. But um, <laughs> anyways, uh, thanks again, Dodson. Uh, it's great to hear your insights and, um, you know, Best of luck uh, next season, but not against the Lakers. Hey, likewise, best of health <laughs> to everyone. How about we just yeah. stick with that? One? Okay. <laughs> yeah, we'll stick with that indeed. Uh, Magic Matt, any thoughts before we turn over to Dotson and what he's working on? Uh, again, it's it's beautiful where you are, Dotson. My, uh, my brother's in the Canadian Armed Forces, and he was recently at uh, Fort Johnson, formerly for a poke. Just told me the uh, the hospitality and the food was <laughs> fantastic, so... Uh, hopefully, it'll be if it wasn't for the people in the food, the American government would have bombed Fort Johnson at this point. It's, just <laughs> incredible. It, it's, it's one of the ones that I, my brother was military, this, that, and the other. It's where, where don't you want to go? You know, yes. asking that question, don't tell them Fort Polk because that's where you're going to wind up or Fort Johnson. I'm sorry, but yeah, yeah, it, 
other than that, the food to people, if he got off of the fort and got to go see some of the fish, all that beautiful, beautiful. We actually that's when you start getting hills in Louisiana. So wonderful. Did you beat Russell Westbrook in poker? All right, quick story. I don't know <laughs> if I beat him. I beat him in a few hands because we were heads up. One, it was a it was a limit game. So if anybody plays poker, it's the 3060 game at Ameristar in Blackhawk. After five raises, there's no more raises because it's just 30, 60, 90, 120, 150. If somebody goes all the way up there, it's done. Russ kept raising it like he had a max contract sitting in his hotel room. I'm sitting there with like a few hundred dollars. I probably don't even need to have on a table because rent might have wanted it. But we were still there. Russ walked in. You got to go play. Uh, but no, I think I walked out of that game up like 1200 bucks. It was one of the best nights of my life because I got to play with Russ. And I also, it was one of the best winning streaks I had starting poker way back. I think that was, I think that's 2015 now. It was like his last year with the Thunder and they were in Denver. Not to give away secrets, but when he's in Denver, he goes plays at Blackhawk if they don't have a back-to-back. And uh, anybody that goes and plays one, be respectful. There's usually somebody there with his bag and stuff like that. He'll talk to you, but all these pro athletes, just be respectful if you see him out. It's like anybody else. Man, just trying to have his downtime. But he was great to play with. Great action, kept the kept the table lively, but man, I wish he wouldn't have chased me out of some of them hands. I know I had the winner, but I didn't have the money. <laughs> Great stories indeed. Uh, but before we head on out, the floor is now yours. What you working on, and what you want the people to know about all the great things that you're doing out there, Dodson. Oh man, again, thanks you guys so much for having me on. Thanks for finding me out here. Uh, I'm all over the place with Pelicans. Uh, coverage if you're just into the pelicans i'm over at fan side i've done stuff for basketball news previously with si and Forbes sports doing just contributor work with them i'm trying to i'm actually even i work in the kitchen here in new orleans too so i'll go from here to publishing stories i actually published the uh superdome naming right story while i was dropping chicken wings into the blue oak fryer over on Carrollton. i got the embargo hey you can run with that scoop publish go so I'm doing things there. Also doing some stuff with scouting and I uh, do a podcast. If anybody wants to check it out, it's called South Coast Swish. Just rebooted it. Got 70 something episodes over the last year or two with just high school coaches, college coaches. Uh, Howard Beck, who covers the NBA and is now at the Ringer, was just on. Bo Estes, who is the NBA top 10 announcer that does all those great highlights, came on and told his origin story and his best calls to him. Those sorts of things. That's what I enjoy more about talking with, you know, basketball and talking with people. We could talk rosters all day long, but they're liable to change. If you find out where the people were really grown up in the game, that's not going to change. So I like, if you want to hear origin stories, South Coast Swish podcast, just start a YouTube channel so you can see me. The Spotify channel has it all audio, video, a little bit of everything. Uh, college coaches, players. I'm going to have a guy on, uh, Amari Neal. He's a Arkansas point guard. He was three years old and left in an orphanage in uh, Ethiopia and Nigeria. My, it's Friday night. My man's going out. At six, he only weighed 15 pounds. Got that from his mom. At six, he's adopted. He's going to be a junior, senior this year and is the third best point guard in Arkansas. That's a story I'd rather tell than something Stephen A. Smith is yelling about. So if you want to know about me and what I'm doing with my podcast, that's what we're doing there. I love what you guys are doing as well. Love talking shopping ball with anybody. But uh, as long as it's positive, thank you so much. Absolutely. You've been a tremendous guest. We are just truly indebted to you for your time. Please support Chris Dodson today. All the great – well, just call him Dodson. There you go. Call him Dodson. 
there you go. Just go ahead. First off, follow him on Twitter slash X at doing it Dodson. Also as well, subscribe to his YouTube channel and also Spotify South Coast Swish right there for you. I'm going to be doing that here in a second. It's going to be going ahead and not only am I following him now on Twitter, I'm subscribing to him on YouTube. So you should do the same as well. Please support him and all the great interviews that he's doing. And of course, his work on Fansided at the Pelican Debrief. I'll tell you what, Dodson, you've been tremendous. Uh, I mentioned before, we'd love to have you on during the season to go ahead and give us an update of what's going on with the Pelicans. And as like you said, we wish you and the rest of the New Orleans Pelicans tremendous health that we can go ahead and get the best out of your team and ours as well. Hey, again, thank you so much. Whatever I can do when the Lakers come to town, I'll throw you whatever information I get. Sounds good indeed. Once again, it's Christopher Dodson. Please go ahead and support him on all of his platforms. Great chat. Thank you so much to the best Lakers chat room that's out there. The Lakers fast break. Great questions from Kurt. Truly appreciate Alan. Everybody out there, Adam, just too, truly great. Appreciated for everybody that stopped by on the show. Blue, you've been tremendous as always. Looking forward to seeing you guys again. Tomorrow, we've got on our usual Lakerholic spotlight. Laker Tom is roaring to come back to talk about all the great things that he's been talking about during the course of the week. You know he's got some more of those crazy Laker trades in store, and you know we'll call him out on it. And we're looking forward to another great Lakers weekend, as always, right here at the Lakers Fast Break Podcast.